Welcome to Numb Phil's Fan Podcast. If you don't already, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, anywhere you find your podcast. Don't forget, NumbBillsFan.com has all of our content. Welcome to Numb Bills Fan Podcast, episode number 123. I'm your host, David Palermo, and alongside me is uh, Tim Avery, which you'll hear me reintroduce him because I didn't think he'd be here for the pre-roll intro, but hey, Tim, you're back. I'm here. At the end. Kind of weird. Time warp. Back to the future. Woo-woo. Speaking of, I did actually see... I saw a DeLorean. What? Yeah, yesterday Where? I saw a DeLorean, and I and I we're in Gates, New York, folks. Yeah, it was actually in Henrietta. I was leaving Guitar Center because I thought I needed something, which I didn't. And I would never drive down Jefferson Avenue with a DeLorean. Did I you? mean, I asked him, "Did you did you see the documentary on YouTube?" I, I honked the horn at him <laughs> and I had him roll down the window of the light. He's like, "Yeah, pretty cool documentary about the DeLorean company." Anyways. So, um, podcast number 123, uh, we pretty much getting into training camp, training camp battles, we're rail on the media, talk Anquan Bolden, talk a little Dave Gettleman, should the Bills hire him or fire him, so stick around, check it out. Also, um, you know, very interesting year with the practice schedule because during camp, they're all morning practices, which I think is pretty smart, get these kids up early, let's get some work ethic. But um, don't forget, we're brought to you by numpillsfan.com. Click through. If you want to support the podcast, there's some shirts left. Limited sizes available, but, um, you know, get them while they're hot. I have a few shirts left. Um, print on a good-ass material, and it's very comfortable. Good bleach print shirt. Really, Tim was saying at the end of the podcast, he really enjoyed wearing his lady head on him. And, um, you know, he's, sm- <laughs> he's blushing, but... It's a good-looking shirt for good-looking people, and if you're not good-looking, you're good-looking when you wear it. So, 19 bucks, shift to your door. If you want some Bills memorabilia, I have to list a lot more stuff, but I have some stuff, some knickknacks up there, Bills stuff, glasses. Just sold an awesome uh, classic New Era snapback uh, mesh hat. Pretty dope. Mm. So, uh, I still had a sticker on it. Anyways, it was a Super Bowl hat. Super Bowl 26? What? So yeah, cow. Yeah, it was. It Skins. Was, was it? What, yeah. What, no, twenty five was, was the Giants. Cowboys. Oh, oh. Then it was was twenty seven then, because twenty five was Giants. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm lost right now. So, real quick, don't forget we're brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com, and uh, pretty much covering the Buffalo Bills for the Punch Drunk Sports Comedy Network. If you don't know about Punch Drunk Sports, follow them on Twitter at Punch Drunk. Go on PunchDrunkSports.com and subscribe to them on iTunes, a comedian with three comedians, uh, Ari Shafir, Jason Tebow, Sam Tripoli, regulars at the LA Comedy Store. Sam Tripoli has a comedy album out. Jason Tebow's on the Red Zone Network here and there. He's an awesome dude, uh, great comedian. Also, Ari Shafir just dropped a double special on Netflix called Double Negative. Yeah, get real, right? So that's pretty rad. And I'm so proud to to be a part of Punch Drunk Sports and uh, for them to have faith in me. So thank you, Sam Tripoli, especially for this opportunity to uh, do whatever 
for the Buffalo to represent the Buffalo Bills and your thing. But I'm not the Buffalo Bills. Do I make sense? So follow them on Twitter at Punchrunk. And lastly, Grand Sand Sports Network. If you don't know, it's an internet radio station and a bunch of podcasts and cool stuff on there. Uh, Numb Bills fan has a time slot. I do not know off the top of my head because I'm not looking what time we play. But GrandSandSportsNetwork.com. Other great podcasts like The Rock Pile Report, Cover1.net. You want a podcast about the Sabres beyond the blade. Boom. There you go. Um, Lorenzo Alexander has a podcast that's a part of the network too. So, yes, the Bills player. So please check it out. Um, GrandSandSportsNetwork.com. And also... You want to know what's up with the Bills? You want more podcasts? You like what you hear? You like diarrhea all the time? Uh, podcast 118. Uh, I believe that's the one with Kevin Elliott. We talk about the LA, Ram- LA Rams moving out from LA to St. Louis back to LA. And he's in LA. It's his hometown. So his favorite team moved, or one of them. He's a big Dodgers fan. Big, think a bigger Dodgers fan. But, uh, you know, it's an interesting podcast. You can check that out. Also, I did another podcast, we 119, about the NFL rules. So you want to know what I think about the celebration rules and all the, the changes for this year in the NFL? This podcast is covering a lot more NFL topics as well this season, so expect a lot more podcasts. Refresh your feeds constantly. If you're on the network right now listening, I might have other podcasts as well if you're on Grandstand Sports Network. So, Please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. And don't forget GrandstandSportsNetwork.com run by good people. And uh, Cover1.net as well is a place to be. So, um, all right, I guess we'll go into this like weird little intro and we'll repeat a little bit. All right, so ads are done. I'm here with Tim Avery right now. Tim Avery in the house. If you don't know Tim Avery, uh, say hello, Tim. Hey, how's it going, folks? Tim Avery here. And if you think he sounds like the sweetest person in the world, you're probably right. Debatable. <laughs> I don't think Tim has ever done one bad thing in his life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay, because I need a role model. Glad to support, Dave. Glad to support. No problem. So, um, <laughs> we're here in the crib, you know, partially torn apart, as always. And um, Tim and I are going to Buffalo Bills training camp this Thursday at St. John Fisher College at 5.30 p.m. And allegedly we have a, a good parking spot. Yeah, we got, I got a good friend who, whose folks live nearby and they let us uh, park in their yard and for free. Can't tell you who. But uh, big thanks for, to a CR. We'll just do that. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's code. Code. Okay. So pretty much... Tim's a man because he's a, a big supporter of the podcast. He came to see Deacon and I out at 34 Rush. We weren't even on for draft day, for draft day number one with uh, the Rochester Sport Network guys. Um, and Tim came out and hung out with us. It was really good. I was starving. We didn't eat till afterwards. And uh, he hung out the entire time, I think, almost, right? Until yeah, I stuck around until like pick twenty five, I think. Yeah, because they huh, well, twenty seven, twenty seven. Damn. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to touch base with you is, uh, real quick while we're talking about it, you came and visited us. We were chilling, shooting the shit. 
What did you overall take away from the draft as we're going into camp? Um, just to touch on the draft, just real quick. Like, what was your overall feeling on the whole thing? I never had this conversation with you. Yeah, and actually, we didn't even prep for it. But I, th- I guess just looking back at it, for me... Sorry about that, Tom. Oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> um, for me, what I really liked was that we, uh, you know, we built some capital, and then we used that capital for players that we had clearly been targeting. Now, whether it was McDermott or Whaley who was targeting him at the time, you know, I don't think anyone other than the folks inside One Bills Drive know who they were target, who it was that was targeting, you know, um, Tredavious White, who was targeting Deion Dawkins and Zay Jones. But I am very glad they, they moved and pulled the triggers where they did because it just shows it shows planning and intention. And I, I think in past years in the draft, I just have it seems like we haven't had that much planning and intention. Now, granted, last year with the Ragland move up, obviously Rex wanted Ragland. That was his. That was a, a Rex Ryan pick all the way. So we, yeah, there was that. But this year, the whole draft was to me just seemed like that's what the plan was. They had people picked out that they wanted. They had positions they wanted to fill, and they made moves to make those things happen. Now, will they, those players work out? That remains to be seen. But so far, at least from what I've heard from minicamp um, and you know the limited practices that have happened so far, it looks like Dawkins is super versatile. It looks like Zay Jones is the real deal. It looks like Trey White is going to be one of the steals of the draft. So for that... I'm happy. Yeah, I, I have no problem. Uh, I was talking with Eric Turner, famous story I've said on this podcast about 12 times now, and I was looking at the Costanzo, Costanzo guy, whatever his name is, that ended up going to New England when they traded off for Deion Dawkins. I was like, oh, shoot, mm-hmm. man, they're going to get that guy because I know nothing about the draft. So I'm looking at the best available players still, looking at some lists, looking at the Bills' needs, and I don't buy the bullshit that you take best player available. In this situation, you're up against the cap allegedly, which are really not the Bills. And, you know, your funds could be limited. You got to make some moves. Uh, you know, there's some ties to Deion Dawkins here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know, it's very good good reputation as far as being a versatile player, like you said. Uh, and, and he was listed as a guard, but he played most games at tackle. Yeah, So, and he can play either side. Right, and we know what happened with Cordy Glenn. And don't think that because somebody can go... From left, they can go to right. I mean, look at Quanjo. Quanjo now released. Now, there is one thing on the offensive line. Um, what's his name? Uh, Henderson. V- Vukas. Or Dukas. Dukas. I'm glad Dukas, yeah. Sale Capaccio on the radio today on WGR 550 mentioned lightly that he has an article, I believe. I didn't read it. Um, but something that... Ducasse could be in the mix for the right guard position. Over he, John Miller. With, over John Miller, which I think is absolutely, I don't want to say stupid, but kind of like stupid. Like mm-hmm. what? What? Well. In the mix, like it's a competition? I think. Are we I, looking for topics here? I think. Come on, I think man. Number I knew one. I, I called the whole time they're going to keep Tyrod. <laughs> oh, no, they're not. No, these quarterbacks don't grow on trees. You don't turn <laughs> over the ball. Get your head out of your fucking ass. Like, seriously. It's just so stupid. Well, I know that the offensive line coach, um, the name is eluding me right now, he worked with Ducasse in Baltimore. And he's familiar with him. I guess he likes Ducasse's game. Um, 
I haven't seen any video of DeCoste playing in practice this year yet versus Miller playing in practice this year yet. So I there's I have no real insider input on that. But I guess what I'm saying is that the coaches must, must see something. Um, and you know that McDermott has said there's going to be competition at every position. And sometimes coaches just say that and you just you're like, yeah, right. You're not serious but it looks like McDermott's being honest about that and I like I like that honesty I like I like competition I think that's good for the Bills and I don't want anyone just sitting on their laurels and saying hey I'm the starter from last year or the past two years like Miller's been um so I don't mind it but as long as that means the best player starts you know and hopefully that's in my opinion hopefully that's Miller I agree with you Tim um I just love seeing young guys, and, and I'm a loyal dude. So when I when I see my dogs going to battle, and you got Miller there at the right guard spot, very promising player. Um, you know, he was also wearing wearing a shirt that said Trash Talk on it, which is this band that I like, <laughs> and I saw it on Instagram, and I'm like, all right, this dude's kind of cool. Hopefully, he listens to him. So I was like, all right, cool, man. You know, so it's like I get loyal to my players. Like I I I want to see him grow. I don't want to stunt someone's growth because the way I look at it is, yeah, we want to win. The Bills want to win, whatever, whatever. But, like, I don't want to stunt someone's growth. This is a young player here. and he's third year. He, exactly. He's shown chemistry already. I, there's no way that in shorts and T-shirts that you are just going to switch things up. I understand you want competition for every position. That's the same hot shit that every coach is going to say, okay? And same thing with I want players who are versatile. Everybody wants a versatile player. Welcome to 2000 and what? 17. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Everybody's wanting a versatile player. It seems like that's what the whole theme is. You know, we want a guy who can do whatever. It's like, damn, you know? It's just, it, it, it's just a weird thing. Sometimes, I don't know, if we're fishing for titles and, you know, again, I'm the guy who said that Cam Newton wasn't going to go number one. He's going to fall to the Bills. So take that with a grain of salt when mm-hmm. I talk about this. And it's all Andrew Luck's fault because he didn't come out that year. Anyways, so, um, which is kind of funny because Dave Gottelman got fired. And we're just jumping everywhere. But <laughs> I'll get into that probably on my own after you bounce unless you want to touch. Do you think they should bring him in? The Carolina Panthers general manager was fired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him in for... They didn't make the playoffs for three years until mm-hmm. he was brought in. And he allegedly doesn't get along with the owner or some people. And some vets like D'Angelo Williams and Steve Smith, the way they were treated mm-hmm. later in their years, it could be a reason it's influencing the owner to get rid of him. And it's like... That was the whole Brandon Bean thing. Like, this guy came from Dave Gettleman, who is a, a gentleman who worked with Bill Polian on the Bills as a, as an intern scout and a scout. We also know that people have said the same of Polian, that he's difficult to work with. It doesn't mean he's not a winner and he isn't a genius, but there are some people who are tough to work with. And, you know, maybe that that might be why he got fired. Now, do you think the Bills... Should find a position for him? I don't think they should. I don't think... I I mean... If, if they it, did, it, I'd support <laughs> it, but I don't think that... I think the role had to be very clear. Like, I'm I'm here to support Brandon Bean. I'm not going to be in the way. I'm just, like, 
Maybe that maybe that is that football czar you look at. Do you bring him in the building? I I honestly, if he's been, you know, if he's viewed as toxic and of anybody, Bean and McDermott would know whether he is or not. They've been dealing, you know, working with him for years. Um, if he's viewed as toxic, I don't think they're going to want that. I mean, you know, you know, let Jacksonville have him. You got Doug Marone. <laughs> you know. I just think it's odd. That guy's a top 10 executive in the league, I think. I mean. How do you rate executives, though? That's difficult. Uh, I don't know, man. Carolina's not too bad of a team. I mean, last year they went down, but they also had cornerbacks down. They also screwed up the Norman deal. At the same time, you know, you bring up a good point, man. I don't mean to, like, backpedal, but you kind of bring up a good point because now we're going to the territory I hate to talk about, which is if you have a quarterback or not, and I hate that territory, and you have Cam Newton, and that kid put up some serious numbers, even his rookie year, and, yes, he might not be accurate, whatever people want to say, but he's good enough, plenty good enough. And is he a top ten, Dave? Ah, oh, don't do this to me. <laughs> I would not think so. I but I, I think he could get there. I think he's, I think he's, he's got borderline. a lot. Of, I think he's got a lot of years left. You know, mm-hmm. but I mean, even him, he's getting rattled. You know, look at guys like the Big Ben; they just yeah. get crushed. And it's like, man. Anyway, so I'm done with this Gettleman crap. Um, back onto the Bills. Uh, what we're looking for at camp? So. Real quick, up-to-date news, big segment, I guess, or whatever for Tim here. Uh, Anquan Bolden visited the Bills today. It's Monday. And a lot of people think that, you know, some people are saying, oh, he'll be a number three. I think that's garbage. If you're bringing in Anquan Bolden, he's a possession receiver. He's smart as hell. He can read the defense. He's going to be in the right spot at the right time, and he's durable, very dependable. And he plays just about every damn single game in his career, except for I think he missed four games in the first couple of years of his career. So I don't know. He's been in the league, what, 14 years? So for me, bring this guy in. You talk about building a core of vets. I look at Lorenzo Alexander for the defensive side. It sets the tone. He leads by example. Kyle Williams as well. But you get a guy like Anquan Bolden to set the true example for Zay Jones. Because I'll be honest, not going to rip on him. Don't know what it is or not. But I don't know Sammy Watkins. I don't know what his attitude is or isn't. So that might not be the vet that you want your second-round pick to learn from. At the same time, maybe that crap's overrated. At the Uh. same time, Anquan Bolden will be a number two. I don't see him as a number three. If you're going two tight end sets and you got two receivers, Bolden is out there. You, It's a guarantee he's going to be in the right spot. You do not put a rookie in there over Bolden. I'm sorry. Well, um, I think it's situational, personally, because you look at Bolden, as you're saying, possession receiver, great in the red zone. Yeah, so is Zay Jones. He's a possession receiver. Yeah, but Zay Jones has a lot more foot speed, especially now, than Bolden. Bolden ran a 4-7 14 years ago. Zay Jones hasn't played a down. Zay Jones ran you a 4-4-5. I mean? He ran a 4-4-5. Four, four, you, you might be able fresh. to give me a better argument for like a Robert Woods and a, and a Bolden than you could a Zay Jones, at least for me. 
Then you could have Zay Jones over Baldwin. I'm just talking different receivers. Yes, Zay Jones is a possession receiver because he makes a lot of catches. He's very sure-handed. But he's he's a more well-rounded mix. He's got speed. People didn't people kind of knock him for for speed, but he ran a 4.45. That's pretty darn quick. You know, not everyone on your team is going to be a 4.22, right? Okay. No. <laughs> no, definitely. Not. I mean, so, I am, but... and like I was saying, Bolden ran a 4.7 14 years ago and he's lost a step or two. But that's not his game. His game is body position and is out muscling guys for the ball, be, like you were saying, being in the right place, running the right routes, knowing how to operate in an offense. Um, so, and, and you know, looking back, 2010 through 2012, he was with the Ravens. Dennison was there. He knows Dennison. He understands that offense. So that's, I, I don't know. I just think they, they represent different things in an offense. And Dennison's not always going to have two tight end sets. He'll have it a lot, but he's not going to have it the entire time. If you if you have one tight end, then you have three receivers. Or maybe you only have one back and, you you know, two tight ends and three receivers, something like that, right? Zay Jones is a 2-3, in my opinion. If Bolden is brought in, he's a 2-3. If he isn't, then Holmes is that 2-3, and somebody like Philly Brown or Walt Powell is going to be the 4. Just my opinion. What do you think about... Were you disappointed when the Bills couldn't land Jeremy Macklin? I understand why Macklin went to the Ravens, and that is because he was a guaranteed number one receiver with a quarterback that throws the ball all over the field. You got Flacco, he's got an arm... I don't I don't watch Ravens games that often, but I did watch Ravens Giants last year, I think it was, or it might have been two years ago. And I was just just blown away. I mean, comparing a Tyrod Taylor game to watching Joe Flacco, where he's just spraying the ball all over the field, these crazy, crazy passes. Yeah. You know, and I was like, Okay, I can see why Macklin would want to be put in a situation where he's a clear cut number one. He's got Emmy's Emmy's she's two slash borderline one talent. He does. Yes, he has it. Um, there's there's no doubt in it. Of course, that's why we wanted him. Um, but you know, you you you're in that situation, or you're in a situation with Buffalo where you got a quarterback who doesn't throw the ball around as much, which is fine because Taylor does so much more with his legs and with opening up the offense in terms of being able to do some read option, do some things like that. Like, he's just a different quarterback than Flacco, you know? Um, but but, but if, if Macklin came here, is he one? Is Watkins one? Who knows? He doesn't know. The coaching staff could have Watkins as number one. They could even have Jones as number two and Macklin as two, three, something like that, you know? So Macklin made the choice for himself, which, you know, it's not like being selfish is bad in that situation. I understand what he did. Yeah, I, uh... Am I happy about it? No. (laughs) I would love to have him, but I get it. Yeah, but at the same time, some people are saying it's because the Bills didn't want to sign him to a two-year deal. That's what I kind of heard. Do they know that? (laughs) Right. And, and, you know, so, um, by the way, I think, not to correct you, but just to correct you, um, Rick Dennison was um not with Baltimore. Oh, he wasn't then. No. Oh. So 
Anquan Bolden, 2011, 2010, 2012. That's in order, of course, because I'm right. <laughs> and Rick Dennison was the quarterback's coach in 2014. Gotcha. But if you want to think about something, if you look at a quarterback like Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. in his game, which was a lot of improvising, and you got a guy like Tyrod Taylor. Look at the numbers that Anquan Bolden put up pretty well with Colin Kaepernick. Well, 2013-2014, okay. uh, in that order, he had a 11-79 and 10-62 for yards. Uh-huh. 85 and 83 so, receptions. you know, we talk about the smarts of a guy. Hmm. He's going to find his spots, you know. And when plays break down, I want Anquan Bolden out there over a Zay Jones. If we're on, you know, if we're kind of, a, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I want the best possible chess players out there. And I would, I, I always hammer the table for vets. I understand the vet minimums add up. They do. At the same time, are you telling me that all these players are stupid now and they can't? I mean, look at how many good athletes there are that are in very good shape or they might have knocked around some depth charts over the years and they hung around and then they finally get some time. I mean, They've gained so much knowledge. Why not try to let them apply it? And That's th- Andre Holmes this year. You think so? Yeah. What is this his fifth year in the league? Yeah, but I, so. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to think about that because he's a big boy, and that's meant. That's what you always want, allegedly. Go up and get a guy, right? Which is neat. But if he was that good, you know, if you want to play devil's advocate, why did they bring in other receivers? Uh, in Oakland. You, Oakland? you know well, what I'm saying? So it's kind of like... They got a couple of really top flight draft picks, you know. They do, but... I mean, you got Crabtree, and he, he's... He's good. But, like, you could put pretty good. Mm-hmm. Probably he was... He was he was shit on a lot because he was allegedly a bust. But I mean, you had Alex Smith who was at Singletary. I mean, that was a ape shit show. And it's like, I don't know, man. I just, I I I I've made the mistake of falling in love with receivers so many times. Like, example, Leonard Hankerson last year. I thought he was solid in camp. He did have dropsies, but there's something about his measurable, something about that dude I kind of gravitated towards. I also wanted that Boykin kid to stick out. You know, oh, chemistry with Tyrod Taylor. Around this time of year, we buy into so much crap. It's almost like this time around, I am so jaded. Like, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, oh, cool, new coaching staff. Oh, cool, what are these players going to do? Oh, you know, and it's like, damn, I just, it's so hard for me to, like, these players just got to show it to me in camp. And I can't wait till Thursday to kick this thing off because they got to show it to me. I'm done buying it. I'm done getting my hopes up. Like, and I mean that in a positive way. I don't want to make something out of nothing. Is, is is all I'm saying here. Well, just being smart and not over hoping. Exactly. I'm trying to be objective about this. So, um, is there anything else you had on Anquan Bolden? Yeah, I'll just give you a brief rundown. Um, so we got um 14 year vet. Uh, one neat thing that I like about him is that. McDermott has been talking about uh, character guys, high character guys, and he won the NFL uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award in 2015 um, 
from Wikipedia that is a quote unquote honoring a player's volunteer and charity work as well as his excellence on the field. You know, it's it just looks like a kind of character you want to have as a McDermott led Bills team. So that's that that seems to fit. You know, um, he did have a pretty precipitous decline in yards per catch last year, but his number of TDs doubled from four to eight. But he so, was, uh, not to cut you off, but he was targeted the third most on the team. So for him to have eight touchdowns, it tells you that's the guy where, you yeah, want. Where was situations. he targeted? Where right, was, where, exactly. And was he trusted? Exactly. He, absolutely. Um, also, and I mentioned this early, he had a 4.7 in the 40 in 2002. He's not a burner, but he's capable of out-muscling defenders, really skilled at using his frame, um, great body control, increases catch percentage chance um and he's he's good at his craft he is a craftsman you might say um he's a professional that's exactly. really i mean yeah. that's really what you call it. he's a professional you don't last in the nfl this long teams don't bring you in and people might be like well yeah man Stafford, why wouldn't you go back to uh detroit yet yeah, you know i think this guy is a a perfect example for the team this is what you want you want this guy around your team. I, I want Anquan Bolin in there because I want to make sure that there is this line of communication between the coaching staff and the players because, look, last podcast, 122, if you haven't checked it out, I pretty much eat crow. I, I finally stopped talking about Rex Ryan and essentially Doug Rowan to run a phase three of this, you know, thing since Shane Gailey. So uh, as in every <laughs> other year we're firing a coach. So, essentially, when things come out that the players weren't working hard in practice, that it really was like, you know, a country club and it was just chill and Rob Ryan really is running the defense behind the scenes and I bought some garbage that he wasn't, but nobody really, quote-unquote, knew, but at least they didn't tell us that. It's like, you know, it makes all the negative fans look right. Like, oh, Rob Ryan, that bastard. You know, I get it. But damn, this is exhausting, Tim. <laughs> this is so exhausting. So the, I want to make sure that right off the bat, we have those true vets. And I don't remember the last time the Bills had a true vet in, unless you want to say Terrell Owens, who then sprouted, if you want to say, maybe Steve Johnson. Steve the next Johnson, year. yeah. You know, but hey, who knows? Who really knows? Because Steve Johnson didn't really have T.O.'s work ethic, so I don't want to connect those dots at all. And frankly, T.O. wasn't a great example either. So, again, you have a guy like LaShawn McCoy on the team. That's a vet. You got a Richie Incognito. You got Eric Wood. Tyrod's a pro. You got Anquan Bolden. Look over the receivers. Show these kids how to work. Because Zay Jones is going to be here for a bit. And what if Sammy Watkins picks up on it and they really want to re-sign Sammy Watkins? And also for the future of your team, oh yeah, Buffalo's got it together. Trust me, when they call Anquan Bolin. So I like, I really like it if they bring him in. Yeah, I hope, I do hope they sign him. I really do. I got I got one more thing on Bolden real quick. And this is, this is kind of a real... Kind of, I did a breakdown of uh, third down conversion rates for the Bills 2014 through 
2016, and then the Niners 2014-15, and the Lions 2016, and then Bolden's contribution towards that. Wow. So let's okay. let's go through this. The Bills in 2014 had a 36.68% third down conversion rate. That was 26th in the NFL. 2015, 37.89. That was 19th in the NFL. 2016, 40.95, 13th in the NFL. So they have been getting better. And we we know that. We Think about... What year did they get the best? Um, th- this past year. 40%? It 40, well, 41% almost. 40.95. So really? 13th in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, we, we do bemoan their third down conversions, but they actually were not as bad as we we think they are. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go to the teams that Bolden was on. 2014 with the Niners, 40.19%. Is remember the Niners were actually not bad that year. They were pretty good. Um that was good for 14th in the NFL. In 2015 it was 30.37, 31st in the NFL. 2016 with the Lions, they were the Lions were 41.26%, third down conversion rate, 12th in the NFL. Pretty good. And we know 2015 Kaepernick just disintegrated into mush and was terrible um so that can't be all on bolden let's look at what bolden did then himself um first downs he had uh basic he had 56 of them in 2014 he had 35 in 2015 and 41 in 2016 what I did is I looked at his number of res- percentage of receptions that resulted in the first down. In 2014, it was 67.46%. 2015, 50.72. Yeah, that was the year that Kaepernick was terrible. And then back up to 61.19% um, that resulted in the first down. So that's that's where I'm saying, yeah, yeah people say, res- what is a possession receiver? How what, what is a possession receiver? That's what I'm saying why I think we really need Bolden is he's a guy who you can really count on by the numbers, as long as your quarterback isn't Colin Kaepernick, to make first downs. Doesn't matter that, in general, his yards have gone down, his number of receptions have gone down. He's still a trusted receiver. You know, at 37 years old, still a trusted receiver that's going to do the right thing, be in the right place, make the right play, and catch the ball. He has shown absolutely no dip to me in production. If you look over all his numbers, you just look at the bottom line of numbers, okay. But when you're the third most targeted guy on your team with the Detroit Lions and you're putting up, you know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, third most targeted. I think he had like... He had five. He had six, 67 receptions, 584 yards, 8.7 yards per catch. Um, the Is three, it better than any Bills receiver had last year? Uh... Yeah, I actually think that was. Woods is right around there in the 500s, I think. So, yeah. And Robert Woods is, what, 24, 23? So, yeah. my point is, I don't want to say he's underutilized, but if you look at the ratio, the numbers, he checks out. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Teams just need guys to show up and do what's asked of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and in Buffalo, we have a problem supporting these players and coaches. So it's always a tire fire. I can't tell you. I was listening to uh, morning radio today on uh, a Buffalo station. And it's like within an hour, it's talking about the hard quarterbacks the Bills had to face. And that if the Bills don't have a Rodgers 
or a Brady or a Luck, they're going to have to get one until those guys are out. And it's like, are we done with this crap? Like, are we done? Like, the system has changed. So, anything Tyrod has done in the past to me, unless it's a repeat offense, give him a few games still. I don't care if we give him the first few games that he's not looking over the middle as much as he should, if that was, quote-unquote, a problem. So, which it was, in hindsight. But you got to support the guy. And to me, talking about it all the time, I understand it's that position. But I think there's so many other interesting things to look at on this team going into camp besides does Tyrod have it or not. And, And I think... When you look at Tyrod Taylor in the play-action offense and you look at what this coaching staff did with Trevor Simeon, I mean, come on here. You're talking about, I believe, a six-round pick. Tyrod was, too. Rookie, or never started before. And this guy was productive. And you got, like, what the hell is his name there? Phil Sims? Just like gushing over him. Like the second week of the year, I was working on the crib and I had like the game out the Bronx to somebody else. Oh, I've known about this guy forever. And then like week eight, the kid sucks. Like at the same time, it's look what they did with that guy. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have a preview of the offense you're going to run, look at the Atlanta Falcons. You know, so it's all Shanahan system. LaShawn McCoy was just ripping it, what, 5.4 yards of carry last year on, like, not many carries. Meanwhile, Ezekiel Elliott, I remember watching, I believe it was the Packers against the Cowboys or something that like that. That playoff game? That was No, game. it was uh, earlier in the season I think they played. It was, I just remember watching the Cowboys after a Bills game, went to the China Buffet with Jeff Knight, and uh, we were watching the Cowboys up by a lot, fourth quarter, still running Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm like, what? why are you killing this kid? You know, so it's like, LaShawn McCoy, I don't think he even had 20 touches in the game. And it's like, this offense is going to tailor to Tyrod Taylor. Mm -hmm. You know, so you kind of have to throw what happened last year out the window. I think the biggest thing when people, you mentioned earlier, people question whether or not Tyrod Taylor has it. Well, here's one of the it's he did not have. He did not have a receiving core last year. That it could have been the receiving core. That yeah, could have that's, been that's what gave a, him a chance to get better Tim, numbers. That's the Bills, man. What are you talking about? The Bills <laughs> just suck, dude. You ever watch a game where all the receivers get hurt and it's not your team? You're like, wow, he really had no one to throw to. But when it's the Bills, people can't look at it objectively. It's, oh, this team sucks. And it, you know what? They're, they're going to continue not to make the playoffs, I believe. Call me all hippie bullshit. But they're not going to make the playoffs if you have this many people shitting on them constantly. Like, it, I'm not trying to be apologist here, but, like, give them a damn chance. We don't need to talk about Tyrod Taylor right now. I understand it's an important position. Maybe touch on it. But so many people, you know who you are. You're listening. Your fingerboard, your fingers are, like, on your phone so fast to talk about Tyrod Taylor. Meanwhile, you don't even promote yourself <laughs> if you make content. You don't make content. You just sit there and talk a bunch of shit. Like, do something with yourself. I mean, come on. You want to be miserable? You just, I, I don't understand. 
So for me, I'm looking to see what position battles are out there in camp. And the receiver position is really interesting. I think the tight end position is really interesting. They're really like, I think they really, really like the tight end situation going on. I like so, Raw Dog O'Leary. Well, O'Leary's probably pretty much penciled in as number two. Who do you have for three slash if they do keep four four? Oh man, because they got they got a few, and I, you know, they got Logan Thomas, you got Jason Croom. I thought got some dude got Wex, caught. Wasn't Logan Wes, Thomas the one who got caught? Oh no, no. Who's the quarterback guy? Wasn't there a guy that just? I, I'm sorry. I'm so. I brought you on the podcast today and cool me <laughs> in on about the Bills, and I'm not even kidding. Um, Wes Saxon, he's the the other one, and I I know there's maybe one more, but Tim, are you lying to me right now? I'm not interneting at the very. moment. I am interneting. Okay, well I know they've got Croom, Thomas, Saxon, and then there might be one more. Keith Trowbridge, is that does that ring a bell for you? You're killing me, Tim. I'm sorry. I'm opening my Buffalo Bills app. Ah, oh, cool. It's presented by a bank I don't like. What else is new? <laughs> so, uh... Well, while you're doing that, I'll go off again on the on the negativity in the media. I just had one thing. Uh, I was reading an article that was in today's DNC this morning um, by Sal Mariana, and it was talking about the whole... This is... Okay, we are almost in August. This is an article that was just published talking about the benching of Tyrod Taylor at the end of the 2016 season. Um, I'm going to quote Sal here. He said, quote, the team essentially tipped its hand regarding Taylor's future with the team when they benched him. And he also said, he started the, the whole article with, quote, New Year's Day, MetLife Stadium in the swamps of New Jersey, and Tyrod Taylor's career with the Buffalo Bills seemed as deceased as Jimmy Hoffa. Now, look, at you could say... I saw that game, and my response to them benching Taylor was that they're probably going to move on from him. But Sal doesn't do that. What Sal did is he makes a pretty, you know, he, he just blows it up. He makes it incendiary. And that's kind of what I take issue with is that we got a lot of local media, regional media, that they try to make, no, it's clickbait. And I fell for it. I read the article. I'm a fool. I'm supporting clickbait. But they make these negative points and they blow things up and they don't look at the other side of the possibility. Okay, we all know as the way things worked out, we kept Taylor, but at the time, and continue to hear the regional media barking about this nonstop, half a year later, nobody at the time actually knew what the benching meant. Now, Sal, later on the article, he included Taylor's words on the subject. Quote, the next day, after cleaning out his locker, Taylor acknowledged that his time in Buffalo was probably over after two flashy but ultimately uninspiring seasons. And this is Taylor speaking. He says, I mean, that's fair to say about being having his time being over. That's what it showed, the benching. That's what I think it showed. But at the same time, the conversation wasn't detailed enough to know if that was the case or not. So what, you know, Sal said... Oh, clearly that means they're gonna they're gonna cut him. They're gonna cut ties. But what he could have said was, "Well, look at Taylor doesn't even know." What did Taylor actually say? He says, "Yeah, it looks like that. That's a fair assessment." I think Taylor's a real straight shooter. I really like that and appreciate that about him. You know, the media is trying to lead him one way, which is they benched me and they're gonna cut me. 
because we are negative in upstate New York and maybe we need to change that. But why can't why can't the media say, oh, well, Taylor also said, I'm not sure where I where I come down on this and this whole thing. The Buffalo Bills did not do a good job of communicating both to Taylor and to us fans or the media what their intentions were with Taylor. Now, maybe they didn't know. Whaley was still in charge back then. We know now Whaley kind of was a little bit of a dumpster fire, tire fire, whatever you want to say. But we just always lean on this negativity. And I just think it's been 17 years. We know things have been bad. We don't need you to keep telling us things are bad. Why don't you just highlight a little bit of the good or that there might be a potential for good? That's kind of what I, you know, what I don't like. And then, okay. Beyond that, we've seen how it all cleaned out. We kept Taylor. We reduced his contract and cap hit. And then, because of that loss to the Jets, we could have been anywhere down from 11 to 19 pick in the draft. Because of that loss, we were 10th. You know? And what did we do with that? We swapped with KC. We got Trey White, and we got another draft pick. Number one, number one pick in 2018. Things worked out for the best. We kept Taylor at a lower cost. We got a great, what's looking like a real steal of a deal in Trey White. And we got a 2018 first-round pick along with our own 2018 first-round pick. How is that bad, Sal? How is that bad? It's like to the idiots out there who are going, you know, we could have taken Khalil Mack. Yeah, when Mario Williams had a career year or was doing pretty damn well, let's take Khalil Mack when you have him paired up with Jerry Hughes. To you people out there, you know, we could have had so-and-so. Well, you could have screwed up too and not got that extra first-round pick. And I honestly said it this whole damn time. The way they treated Tyrod Taylor was garbage. At the same time, it was one of the smartest moves you could have made as a business the way they did it. Sorry, but it's the truth. They know that quarterbacks don't grow on trees. And if you're Sean McDermott, you want a smart quarterback who's not a... I don't know what to say. A botard? You know what I mean? You want a kid who's willing to show up to work and talks. You can trust him. He's going to keep his mouth shut. He's going to get everybody in order. Give the kid the damn opportunity. And what do they do? They lead us on with this McCoy hire thing, maybe, and then they bring a Rick Dennison right behind them. Like, I can't. And people are like, oh, don't connect the dots. Don't connect the dots between Rick Dennison and Tyrod Terry. Get the hell out of here. They already work together. Why wouldn't you connect the dots? These guys want jobs. And you know. Come on, man. Like, stop. It was a smart damn move. And you just don't get rid of that guy. And I got to give Mike Shope credit. He was saying, I can't believe how how they, they treated him. And it's like... Yeah, I thought it was terrible, And, and even uh, Ross Tucker on NFL Podcasting, it's like, like Shope was saying, hey, I'm going to root for him if he goes to another team. And I'm in the same damn boat. Like, you don't treat people like garbage. They should have given him... I don't think it would have hurt them to give him the nod. But damn, approach him about a restructure a little bit more professional the way. At the same time, that PR director, Scott Burchill, was moved. Mm-hmm. I think that's who it was. Right? He was moved to a different ass department after Whaley was fired. Or right before, or right after right Whaley's presser. So, um, yeah, it, it's like, you know, I, I don't. I don't understand the negativity. These guys are professionals. And the problem is with these negative newspaper articles out there and the negative crap, it's 
yes, I love to say a player sucks. We do. You won't ever hear me say that on the podcast just because I don't really do that. I'm not 12 anymore. But, I mean, I'm not in a rush to say a guy's a bum. Hey, he's a bum. No, maybe the dude's like 23 and doesn't stay in the playbook. So, yeah, he, he is acting like a bum. But let's break it down. How can he improve? Let's figure this out. Let, let's go with the sure hand here. And the problem is you get these national newspaper guys and national guys who they have to cover 32 teams. They spewed hot diarrhea out of their fucking mouth. <laughs> and all they do is they Google or they check out the local beat guys. So when you're Sal Marana and you have this garbage coming out of your fucking mouth all the fucking time, you don't know how to preface an accurate question. I've gone over this really a lot with the Mike Gillisley thing. I'm not going to say it again. Go back. Eric Turner cover one made a clip of it. It is what it is. But it's like, damn, am I really asking much to be objective? Sorry, but you have an NFL team you're covering. Yes, I understand that the numbers are huge. They're way different. But damn, if you had to sell your soul for an under hundred thousand dollar job, like get uh, uh, even if even if it's more than hundred grand, I don't care if it's three hundred. Like you got to sell your soul that low, where you got to write half-hearted, half-assed damn headlines and just spew diarrhea all the time. Is it that hard to just be current? Like, you're talking about a Tyrod Taylor benching. Yeah, here's an idea. Here's the Bills' dumb luck. They play Tyrod Taylor. He tears his ACL. Who's playing fucking quarterback now? TJ Yates. Sal, do you like TJ Yates? And you know, I'm going to say one more thing. And this is this is the, the, the tail end of my part of what I kind of was discussing. And I, I posted this on a message board. Not gonna why say am what. I so mad? You are pretty mad. I don't know why. I just... You got to... It's because you care. I need Brian. You, you actually like the Bills, unlike some of our regional media. But, okay, one other thing with that game. Beyond what ended up working out with a, with a reduction in the cap hit for Taylor, with us keeping him, with us getting Trey White, with us getting the extra 2018, all good things. Think about this. At the time, we didn't know all those things were going to happen. No one knew all those things were going to happen. But you have a guy, E.J. Manuel, who was a first-round draft pick. We all know, whatever, bust. But we weren't sure if we wanted to retain him, you know, re-sign him to become the, a backup. So we're like, all right, let's give him one more chance. Anthony Lynn was like, you know, let's give him one more chance. And they gave him that chance and uh, didn't uh, work out so well. So I'm glad they gave him that chance though, because you know what that allowed him to do? That allowed him to move on from him because a good backup's going to cost you two and a half to three and a half million. A really good one, five million, you know? That's going to hurt. It's going to hurt your cap. So why not find out what you got? We did. We found out EJ's trash. He's gone. You know, look, at I like EJ as a person. He's not a good quarterback. Um, he might be able to be a good backup, but I think we saved money by we got Jones under contract and we picked up Peterman. We got Yates for a little bit of veteran presence with knowledge of Denson's system. Um, and also, I think the only bad thing about that was I thought they could have let Jones play the whole second half of that game instead of just a little bit. You knew that after the f- the first half, the manual didn't have any bullets in the in the <laughs> in the ten- in the gun. Um, I could I would have liked to see a little bit more from Cardell Jones. I thought that was a mistake, but otherwise, you it's it's smart in that last game to to find out what you got in manual, make the right decision and cut him. 
and then see a little bit of, of Cardell Jones. I think that part was handled pretty well. And again, we just keep seeing months and months and months and months later all this negativity. The Bills mismanaged it. The Bills handled it wrong. The Bills wanted to cut Tyrod Taylor. They didn't like him as a person. That's I, I just think that is one read of the situation and that's the only read we get and what i'm saying is i would like to see more reads of these situations because i don't think it's doing justice to the bills i don't think it's doing justice to all the bills fans in the, in western new york in the world you know we got a lot of backers bars all over you know we're not doing justice our media is not doing justice to our team yeah you got to chill out i think um... <laughs> Well, I should try <laughs> turning that on. So I think TJ Yates is the odd man out um, of you this do? whole quarterback thing. Yeah, because. Yeah, let's talk quarterbacks. Uh, real quick, I just think you have equity. Um, you're like, what makes Cardale Jones be a quote-unquote possible first-round pick? And then all of a sudden, he plays like two quarters. and Not he's, even. Yeah, and he's like, not con- oh, nah, he's done. It's like, what are you talking about? Like, can you at least send him through a, a another system, see what's up? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, that's a whole other conversation. I that's NFL know. D-League or... Let's just see. You know. No, I'm just saying, like, let's just see how he does in camp. You know, it seems like he was getting a lot more opportunity than TJ Yates. And... Uh, mm, well, not in minicamp, he wasn't. He was getting the least reps of any of the quarterbacks i thought they were saying at first he got the most reps like maybe early, early on yeah because towards the end it was definitely was it okay yeah. well you know what i think minicamp doesn't matter as much we're gonna see in the next three four weeks through bill's training camp who is really getting the reps and who and then who looks good in them um i'm i don't know about you folks you listeners but i am very excited for that number two battle um dave what do you think what do you what do you, what are your thoughts about those? I mean, you got Yates, Peterman, Cardell. Uh, I don't know because it really makes sense to have TJ Yates because you want that vet. At the same time, I don't know. I'd rather, I'd rather see. Uh, you know, let's see how smart Nathan Peterman is. But again, it's that same Zay Jones argument. You know, Cardell Jones. What's he seen? Not much. At the same time. I think Cardell Jones is a lot smarter than people think. And the reason I say that is he's a pretty funny dude. And a lot of funny, really witty people are very fast learners. And I think he can make lemonade out of lemons when shit breaks down. If he needs to. And he's got a hell of an arm. Yeah, no one's doubting his arm. You don't have film on him. And he's he seems like he's going to give it his all. So... I don't know. I look at Nate Peterman like, uh, like, do I call him like a Chad Pennington or something? There's like, been a lot nah, of comparisons. I don't. To I don't know. And again, I'm looking at a guy who played for Ohio State, not Pitt. You know what I'm saying? Who is built a lot bigger than that gentleman? So he's played in big moments. Uh, the biggest. Yeah. So I. I would have to root for Cardale Jones, but I don't know. 
how much he's going to get his shit together that quick. At the same time, I feel like if you cut TJ Yates, where the hell's he going? Who cares? It doesn't matter. And it, honestly, it, yeah, it doesn't matter if we lose TJ Yates because he's a known commodity. Peterman and Cardell Jones are not known commodities, despite what, you know, what the media is going to say about Jones being a bust already. I, you know, I what I what I dislike too again is every year anytime you get like and even when you get an undrafted rookie, remember the Jeff Tool craze? A few mm-hmm. Does anyone remember the Jeff Tool craze from a few years ago? Hey, you know, hey, hey, you want to know something? Swear to God, swear to God, on <laughs> Jeff Tool. I went to a lot of those training camps that year. I kid you not, Jeff Tool threw a better ball than EJ Manuel all day long. I'm sure. The touch Jeff Tool had, I thought he played better than Kevin Cobb. I thought he threw the ball better than EJ Manuel. People might be puking right now, but I don't care. I don't care. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's true. It's true. Yeah, but still in game situations, when he did get in, he was... Dude, I'm sorry, and I never rip on Murph, but like I swear that year he was he was homering. If you're keeping track at home, E.J. Manuel is, uh, you know, he's doing a lot better than Kevin Cobb. And it's like, okay, and you listen to the presser, and they're throwing everything but the kitchen sink at Kevin Cobb. Mm. And they're keeping it dumbed down for E.J. Manuel. And it's like, what are we trying to promote here? Controversy. Maybe that's it. Maybe, I mean, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't be so harsh on the, the regional and local media. Maybe they're just making controversy and clickbait. I'm going to stop calling it media. I'm just going to start calling it clickbait. What about you, Dave? So I'll tell you what. The local clickbait? I just went on spottrack.com, okay? Mm-hmm. And I know you just asked me something, and I clearly don't give a shit. So <laughs> Thanks, Dave. Love I'm you, too. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so TJ8 signed a one-year $815,000 contract, signing bonus of forty k. Uh, guaranteed at signing 40k total guarantees 40k average salary 815 base salary 775,000 okay if they cut him the cap hit is $655,000 now jump change what I'm wondering is is that jump change or not because I like TJ Yates when he played with the Texans I thought it was a cool story this and that, he showed he can execute it, and, and exactly what he did is what you are looking for in that backup. That said, if you cut an eighth of Peterman, dude's getting picked up. You cut a Cardinal Cardinal Jones, Jones is getting picked up. Dude, dude's getting picked up. I don't think you're mm-hmm. stashing these guys on a practice squad. I think if you cut TJ Yates, I don't think anybody's picking him up. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Does he have... Like, he was already out there. He I doesn't mean, have eligibility for practice squad, though, right? No, he's no, 30. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Has he started recently? You know what? I'm not sure how that works exactly. So here's the deal. Either way, the dude's getting paid. So, go for TJ Yates. But I want to see, again, equity. I like equity. I don't like just throwing away a third-round draft pick. Whether it's Doug's pick or not, I don't believe, well, that was Doug's pick. No, 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 no. These people want to salvage as much as they can. But I don't really have that much to go and support these guys with is in the Cardale Jones. I really don't. And it's blind faith mm-hmm. for me. So, um, is there anything else real quick? Um, dude, we did a long time. Hmm. I'm trying to think. There was else. other camp stuff. Um, Leisure well, Doosable was brought into the Bills today, along with a couple other players that I am not going to get into. But uh, I, I did like Leisure Doosable, if I'm pronouncing it right. 
Yeah, uh, I think that's right. Very, very good player. He seemed to have his shit straight. He was very candid on the radio interviews with John Murphy and Donald Jones. Um, do's and, and don'ts. Remember the do's yeah, and don'ts? Yeah, do's and don'ts. A very <laughs> bright guy, smart player. I was shocked that he didn't re-sign right away. I'm glad they brought him back because... At least for a visit. How do you not bring in a good guy like that? Is that a recommendation from one of the players? Is it, hey, why don't we see what happens? We'll keep you on the dial. And you put them on standby, but you don't let the media know. And that's one thing I like about this McDermott staff is shit seems together. And they're taking their time. And I like it. They seem very calculated. And even if they're not, hey, they're faking it. And I think, again, I said it last podcast, 122. I railed about the coaching staff change. If you want to hear about the coaching staff change, what I feel up to date for camp, check out the last podcast, 122. Subscribe on iTunes. Please subscribe. I'm going to do giveaways at some point for everybody who subscribes, and you'll be thrown into a random drawing for some autographed Bills merchandise. Oh, yeah. Like a Kyle Williams mini helmet. You heard it here first. All right. So, Tim. Dave. I digress. Um, camp battles. I. Let's just, real quick, most exciting one for you. Huh. I know mine. You know, can I say what I think the most interesting position is? Yeah, go for it. Overall, as a position group, I think it's the linebackers. And I'm I'm so excited to see what works out. Preston Brown already played on the weak side with Mm -hmm. Jim Shorts. He was successful. And if these coaches are not dumb, they're going to look at how they're used. But as Doug Marone did, as Rex Ryan did, on their side of the ball, they were hardheads. So, um, yeah, you never gonna, know. Ego is a big thing. Those three letters, powerful. Yeah, that, that battle between Brown and Ragland, who knows? Is it, it might, a battle? It, it, it might not be a battle. Cause I think Ragland just starts in the middle because you don't need to be as fast. And you just put Preston Brown on the other side. I mean, Ragland ain't stupid. And he's not slow. And here's the thing about... But he is about, coming off an ACL, and I'm not putting that much faith in him. Yeah, but they got it early, and he had the surgery right away, and he he's good to go. He's 100%. But he's a big boy. He's a big boy. But also, here's the thing. People talk about being fast and being slow, and instinct, Ragland... Instinct it, exactly. Up. In instinct, people say, oh, instinct, is that, that's an intangible. But what it is is having the, the knowledge of taking the ability to take a good angle. So if you take a better angle, you can be a half step slower and you're still going to hit your target. If you got a guy who's fast as blazes but takes dumb angles, they're not going to make as many tackles as a guy maybe like Raglan who's a tad bit slower but takes the right angle because he knows the game. I just think Raglan knows the game. There's a quote uh, McDermott said about when he was watching Raglan, even during practices, when he wasn't going full tilt. He said, Raglan's got our the kind of DNA we want as Buffalo Bills. And that, that speaks volumes to how he processes and how his instincts work and how much of a hard worker and hard hitter he is. Some of those, I watched some of those hits. I swear to God, at these people listening right now, other podcasts, if you take this line, I'm going to kill everyone. No, I'm not going to do that. It's a joke. Kidding. Um, I swear, the Sean McDermott press conference drinking game, the process, DNA, culture are kind of people. Oh, man. Got to trust the process. <laughs> Holy shit. We're going to hire jo- uh, Joel Embiid next year? I don't even get what that is. <laughs> he is the process. What is that? 
He's he's a player for the Philadelphia Seven uh, 76ers. They call him the process. I'm dumb, man. I don't follow ball. <laughs> I'm gonna try to. I'll send you a YouTube clip. The NBA players just move around so much. I can't even keep track. Like my right. Chicago Bulls. I mean, <laughs> they gave up on Derrick Rose, you know. But like, try playing NBA 2K with that like team with Joe Kim Noah and Boozer and Derrick Rose, and you got like Joe Kim Noah and Boozer with the most awkward shots you've ever seen in your life. And the way 2K works, you have to like time the release. Mm-hmm. I haven't played. Imagine throwing the ball with the kangaroo. That's like Joe <laughs> Kim Noah. Like it's like the stupidest thing ever. Anyways, so. Yeah, it, was that your position group? Was it linebackers? Yeah, it was linebackers. Because I think what happens is, it like you were saying too, and we didn't even talk about this before. Um, we didn't prep this and say what our takes were. Um, I, I'm thinking what's it? People are saying it's between you know Preston Brown and Reggie Ragland for the middle linebacker. I think right, you know Ragland if he wins the middle linebacker, Preston goes is going to be battling out with Hodges for the weak side. I think so. You know, you no. Know? And I think that's a great battle, too. I think no matter what, you're going to have good competition. And that's what McDermott wants, and that's what I like. I'd rather have competition, have, have you know players trying their hardest, because that's what's going to make us a better team. Now, one guy I think is very interesting is, uh, what's his name, Jordan Poyer? Is that his Poyer, first name? Poyer, yeah. Um, at the safety position next to Micah Hyde. Uh, those guys know each other a little bit through a couple of acquaintances. Maybe they're making a bigger deal out of it than they need to or not. I don't know. But I hope that they have that dream relationship we're talking about where they hang out and they, they watch film, do whatever. That's what you want. You want the team to get better. You want each position group to be tight and to help each other out. Um, and one thing I like is the confidence they have in this kid. It says a lot. They have not really brought in anybody to even compete with they, him. They've got so that extra me, spot. They got that extra spot in the uh, in the roster. They're at 89 men right now, and they haven't brought in anybody this, else for safety. Think about this, though. If you bring in Jordan Poyer, right, and then you don't bring in anybody else. Well, Jordan Poyer had, a, had some good games last year. Before that last rated kidney. Right. Yeah. So... There's something about him that they really like. I don't know what it is, but I think it's very interesting. Maybe he's a guy around scouting circles. I think Eric Turner at Cover One would know. Um, also, Grandstand Sports Network. So, I, I, I'm just not sure. Like, that position is really interesting. Uh, the only thing I worry about is, if I'm not mistaken... I'm going to sound so stupid. I believe Sean McDermott plays more of a cover three kind of defense. It's his zone, yeah, cover three. And and that's something that Tom Brady is very good at turning apart. And that's the one thing I'm kind of iffy about. Because it allows the middle of the field to be open, and that was kind of like I pretty much flipped the script where people were like, okay, well – that offense that they're running, that the Bills are running, would do good against what the defenses that they see. Mm-hmm. Well, that's primarily what a lot of people are playing now. I mean, it's what Seattle does. It's like the trend. So, I don't know. It kind of makes me... Worried. Yeah, but if you could use... You know, I'm picturing a Minnesota Vikings defensive line 
when Leslie Frazier was there. Mm-hmm. Where these dudes just pin their ears back and they just went. So the Bills fans, what that says is, since that guy's a defensive coordinator now. And Waffles, the D-line coach. Right. He's going to be doing the same thing, letting our guys go and rip. And you, yep. let them, you, you let them go. And you combine that with what we saw the Bills do with Jim Schwartz. And even Mike Patton, when you just let these guys just go, good things happen. And I think sneakily, you could have one of the best defensive lines in the game. We've always thought that as fans. We've seen uh, it. Re- don't sleep on Shaq Lawson at all. Very good football player. I, I He's going to be more at home here in a 4-3. I am very excited. Another good kid, a good soul on the team. He seems like a sponge. Um, and think about this, too. We, we talked a little bit about linebackers, but, you know, Lorenzo Alexander... If you want to spell Shaq Lawson, what what loss do you have at putting a guy who did 12, had 12 and a half sacks out there for a couple of plays out in the outside on the edge? <laughs> I mean, imagine. Dude, isn't he going to be a strong side linebacker this year? Well, he but he's he is flexible and experienced. I think I think we're going to see some stuff out of Lorenzo Alexander. Um I think we're going to see McDermott moving him around um and letting him letting him rip a couple of times cuz you know, he's he's older, but Clearly, after last year, you know, if if he's not overused and if he is fresh, I'd be a terrified quarterback having to deal with him coming off and then Hughes on the other side. That, no, that one, is terrifying. One thing that this defensive line is going to do is a heavy rotation, and that's the one thing about depth that you want, and that's why I really like. I hope they're bringing Dusable in. You're talking about they have one extra spot. Well, I mean, you want to keep these guys fresh. I'm looking at Marcel Darius coming to form. Whatever they're doing in the PR department for this kid, hey, man, he's doing it all right. He is appearing to have his shit together. Uh, whatever they're doing with him, I don't know if Bruce Smith or somebody sat him down. I don't know who talked to him. But, hey, this kid, it, 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 he, he's a gem. Marcel Darius like could be a gem. It sounds like he's had a really good camp. And I don't think... McDermott is a type who's going to be BSing and saying Marcel Darius was at every, you know, every OTA, every practice, and he was there on time. I don't think McDermott would cover for him, quite frankly. He's he, he's too, he just comes off to me as too high character of a guy, too high expectation of a guy to just let Darius slide like that. If if that's what he's saying about Darius, I believe Sean McDermott. And know. you know what? And that's what we didn't see in they the past couple of years. They owe him a lot of money and you need production. So I think Marcel Darius pretty much runs that show, to be honest with Jeff. I hope not. You're not cutting Darius. You're not trading Darius. And you're not pissing Darius off now because what if he gets worse than he was? And so I don't know, man. I, I, I see what you're saying, fam. But Maybe I'm being positive. Oh, you are. <laughs> you are. But... I think objectively, you got to think this could be him covering for him. At the same time, really, I just kind of look at it like I think he is doing the right thing. If not, they're presenting it to us that way, which is good. Yeah. You know, so I think it's important. Definitely. Last camp battle for me. What's that? Colton Schmidt, Austin Renko. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but... Here, here's here's something that's you know, I've I've so heard punter position. Punter here. position. Colton Schmidt. Colton Schmidt had one of the worst averages for yards per punt 
of anyone in the NFL last year. Very few within the 20. And field position, we know, is so important to defense. Uh, what I really like is what I've heard from so far from the mini camps and stuff. McDermott has been giving, moving from an offensive you know, series of plays right into special teams and been giving special teams a, a good portion of time, which in the past hasn't happened. And a lot of teams don't really do that. But I think McDermott realizes how valuable special teams is. And you got a guy out of Idaho, undrafted free agent, the best, pretty much the best punter in college last year. And he not only can punt, he can do kickoffs, and he can also kick field goals and point afters. He's a very versatile guy, and we said it before. Coaches just say they want versatility, but you know what? Why are we keeping a guy yeah, like I'm Col- with this. Why are we keeping a guy I'm like Colton Schmidt, like- who's costing, I think, if I'm correct, like $2.5 million for an undrafted free agent that can do those things, can, can improve, and might even be better right off the start. Who knows? Let's see what happens. I think that's a battle that's underlooked. And if not, you could have Cardale Jones punt. <laughs> Six five two fifty. He's gonna put I mean, a little juice on, in the dude. ball. You gotta hit that shit. <laughs> Give him a damn ball. That's what I'm saying. Like Cardale Jones can't do damn kickoffs. No, no, you, Dave. This is what we do with Cardale Jones. Cardale Jones is gonna be the the holder for the kicks. That way we can do fakes whenever we want. Fakes in the seventy yard bomb because we've seen Cardale Jones rip it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just messing around. Huh. Now. I'm being a goof. Yeah, but Cardell Jones could be the team's kickoff specialist. It's kind of hard to hide a six-five-two-fifty guy. <laughs> Maybe we change his number. He did graduate <laughs> college, though. That's true. Congratulations, Cardell Jones. All right, so I guess we'll be there Thursday at camp um, again. Tim Avery, where can we find you, dog? You have anything else you want to touch on, or uh, I'm just the Tim Avery on Instagram. I don't, I don't tweet, no bird. Um, so I'm on Facebook as Tim Avery, but there's a lot of other ones. Yeah, Tim does shows at Bug Jar or something. Like, what do you promote? Tell them what you do. They should check out your shows. Like, there's, I, I do a, a bunch of shows, uh, music shows over at the Bug Jar, which is a venue in Rochester, New York. www.bugjar.com. Um, at Bug Jar shows on Instagram. Uh, hashtag bug jar or whatever. And then some other shows at DIY spaces around town. Do you have anything coming up that you would like to plug? Oh, I don't... I, you know what? It's it's hard to plug because everyone's got different tastes in music. What I say is go check out the website, www.bugjar.com. Go and listen. I always put up links so you can check out the bands. If you like what you hear, come on out. You got a, you got a Tuesday night. Your friend just stood you up. Your date just stood you up. You're like, damn, I'm already out in town. What's going on, Bug Jar? I'll check it out. If I don't like it, don't go. Don't worry about it. Go out for coffee. Go to the library. It's probably closed. But anyhow, you know, check us out and see what's going on. Maybe you find some band that you never heard of that you might like. And here's the most important thing with Tim Avery here is as somebody who's played in bands for Tim Avery, for your shows, and promoted bands myself, and I can say... That that money that you pay actually gets back to the bands. You don't have yep. some promoter who didn't fucking make flyers or promote your show or like other things. That's you to make content and not promote it pretty much. Uh, you know, this money. So if you got a spare six bucks, you want something to do. Check out Bug Jar. You know, you got whatever the show costs. You at least know that that money is going to go to the band and maybe just drink a Genesee for the night or something. Support the Rochester beer. 
So, you know, keep it a little cheap, but for 10 bucks, usually on average, you could see some live music. And if you're not into the band at the time, there's enough room to go to the other side and hang out and shoot the shit with your friends. So, choose the pool. Yeah, right. Talk to peeps. Well, all right. Uh, I, Bills fans go there. Yeah, it's a good time. I like the bug jar. Good sound. Very good sound, actually. Um, intimate environment. So, all right, man, you have anything else? I'm good. I'm just excited to go see the training camp. Well, Tim, did you know that Numb Bills Fan Podcast is up on this thing called Grandstand Sports Network, which is a radio. I had heard. It's an internet radio station, and we have a time slot. I forgot the time, but <laughs> this is so pro. Um, so GrandstandSportsNetwork.com, and what's cool about it is there's great shows on there, like... Um, Rock Power Report's got a show up there. Eric Turner at CoverOne.net. Um, Lorenzo Alexander has a podcast, actually, that is a part of the network. You want some some Sabres podcast stuff, you got uh, Beyond the Blade, Sabres podcast. Good stuff. Uh, Eric Turner at Cover One is he's awesome. I you know I don't know if I'm supposed Probably to. one of the best yeah. at breaking down film. I, I haven't seen anyone break down film like, like that. No, he translates it to idiots like me, like, really quick. Hmm. So, you know, shout out to Eric. Follow them, CoverOne.net, at CoverOneBills on Twitter and everywhere else. His Instagram is beautiful, by the way. And I think Instagram is the place to be personally. Uh, A lot of people don't think they have click-over rates on Instagram, but I think a lot more people get views on Instagram than they think. So if you're on Instagram and you like Instagram and you don't want to go on a website, I mean, he'll have one-minute video breakdowns and you'll be like, oh, okay, cool. And it's it's fast. And then you can click through to his website. Click through through to his website. Give him a shout-out. Hit him up. Um, also, don't forget, we're brought to you by PunchDrunkSports.com. And that's a podcast uh, that turned into a podcast or a sports podcast network. I cover the Buffalo Bills for the network. And uh, great, great podcast. Follow them on Twitter as well, Punch at Punch Drunk. Subscribe to them on iTunes, Punch Drunk Sports. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And also, uh, numbillsfan.com. Check out our Etsy story. Click right through. You want to buy a shirt, just click right through it on a thinner material. Uh, it's not too heavy of a shirt, but it fits right. It's very it, smooth. You think so? Yeah. It's Soft a bleach print, so when you wash it, the design flattens out into the shirt. It's I've always been a person that for any bands I'm a part of, if if I have any control of the merchandise, I've always been of the belief that if I'm gonna buy something, I wanna wear it. So why have some garbage that you're wearing? So nineteen bucks shipped, you get a shirt that's printed on both sides. Pretty rad. Apparently the guy in the goalpost uh, somebody hit me up on Twitter. She said she knows, or on Instagram, she said she knows a guy. So I'm going to send him a shirt. If you're the guy in the goalpost in the back of the shirt, if you want to see the shirt I'm talking about, it's uh, navy blue with uh, white-ish, whitish, creamish kind of print for whatever. Uh, just check it out. Cool-ass shirt. Numbillsfan.com. We have an Etsy account as well. If you want any little bills, memorabilia, glasses, whatever the hell. It's on a bunch of my stuff. I so. actually wore mine yesterday, and I got a compliment from a lady. Really? Yes. I'm not even kidding. This is not even just plugging. She said you look big. I'm I'm a skinny little twerp, so no. <laughs> so you guys are the, you guys are like the secret ones, though. 
I don't know where just an <laughs> anaconda just drops, hits the floor, and I'm running out the room. <laughs> a stealth right. bomber, Tim Avery. So you know. All right. Well, thank you guys. Numbillsfan.com. Please subscribe to us. Subscribe. Hit me up on Twitter. Numbillsfan. Numbillsfan on Instagram, Facebook. Numbillsfan. Just subscribe. You'll get a notification when it uploads. Also, I'll have one minute videos coming up or less. On Instagram, you want up-to-date live video content, just about a day we take every day for training camp, come on down to Instagram. Also, I'll share it to my Facebook and Twitter. And uh, Instagram is just really fast and easy for me. Uh, but just check it out. And, and plus, it's a little bit better than Facebook because you don't got to read all that bullshit. So, you know, anyways, I'm out. Subscribe. No Bills fan. Peace.